The text for the message this morning is 2 Samuel 7, David's prayer of gratitude, verses 18, chapter 7, verses 18 to 29. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, and according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth, whom God went to redeem, to be his people, making himself a name, and doing for them great and awesome things, by driving out before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation, and its gods. You established for yourself your people, Israel, to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, traditions surrounding Christmas last almost the entire month of December and even longer if you use the availability of eggnog as your measure. And although it may seem like people are doing a lot of preparations and anticipation of the day, it's actually just a tiny amount compared to the amount of time the Lord devoted to the birth of his son by the Virgin Mary. Already immediately after the fall into sin, Eve was promised that she would be a mother of all the living and that one of her descendants would crush the head of the serpent. And in the ensuing years, the line of promise was narrowed to Abraham and his descendants and then to Judah among the tribes of Israel. And finally, 
to read in our text to a king named David, whom God had taken from the pastures where he was following sheep. Well, God's promise to King David and his prayer of response that we read and we read together in 2 Samuel, that all took place about a thousand years before Christ was born. It's an important defining moment in the unfolding history of God's revelation of salvation. And when we look at 2 Samuel, we see the words house and the word establish and the word forever. As God spoke of his steadfast covenant love, he spoke of the throne of David that he would establish forever. And when David responds to the Lord God as a humble servant in this prayer of wonder, thanksgiving, and eagerness to see God's word fulfilled, the church of all ages and all places in the world is called even to join in and to magnify the Lord God forever, saying, as we see in verse 26, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. While the church responded in faithfulness to, to David's call that his name be magnified, we can see that already in 1 Kings 8 when the temple was built. King Solomon dedicated it. His prayer was that prayer of magnifying the Lord of hosts forever. But also the church magnified the name of the Lord forever in her psalms, the psalms that we read, the psalm that we sang Psalm 89 and Psalm 132. Psalm 132 was a psalm for the pilgrimage. As the people went up to the temple, they were remembering this forever promise. And so David's prayer is a fitting text to use to begin a, a short series about some of the songs that are related to Christ's birth. And I preach to you the gospel under this theme the Lord's forever promise to David gives hope to his praying church. And we'll see that with David, we thank him for his divine grace. We praise him for his covenant love. And we turn to him for his royal blessing. If you were to page back in the first chapters of 2 Samuel, you would see that this book contains the death, describes the death of of Saul and how David came to be king both of Judah and Israel. And after he had captured the city of Jerusalem to make it the capital city, he ensured that the ark of the Lord was also brought to Jerusalem. The ark of the covenant is described in 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 2. It says it was called by the name of the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. It was a special wooden box covered in gold that gave the people a place to go to when they wanted to meet with their creator. Well, we read in chapter 6 of many burnt offerings and peace offerings on the day when the ark arrived. But afterward, as David was sitting there, he, he felt that something was wrong. We see that in chapter 7. Here he was dwelling in a home 
made of cedar, but the ark of, the, of God was still standing in a tent that David had pitched for it in the city. David's desire to honor God by building a house for the ark of the covenant was good. And it reflected the people's desire to, to worship the Lord at his dwelling place. They, they sang so many psalms about this desire. And so at first, Nathan urged David to go ahead and build a house for the ark of the Lord. However, sometimes the most noble human plans are not God's plans. And also in this case, the Lord corrects David. In verse 5, he says, Would you build a house, or would build me a house to dwell in? And then again in verse 11, he shows the, the different view. He says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. You see what's happening here? When David talked about building a house for the ark of the Lord's presence, he was thinking of a physical structure of cedar and stone. When the Lord told David that he would build David's house, he was talking about people in a household. The Lord corrected David in this way because the Lord does not need a physical house. The Lord is much greater than an ark. His presence among us does not depend on, on any buildings. And throughout all the time in the desert and, and during the time of the judges, the Lord was content to accompany his people in a tent. Solomon captured the character of the Lord we worship clearly when he prayed at the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8, verse 27. He says, but will God really or will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house I have built. Well, when God did finally have Solomon build the temple, he didn't do it because he needed a place to dwell, to stay dry, to keep warm. He did that because God's people needed a place through which they could approach his high and exalted throne. So the Lord responded to David's desire by putting David's request to build a house for the ark aside for the time being. And then he called David to think outside the box of buildings. David and all God's covenant people had to know that it was not God's intention to bring salvation through a building here on the earth, but rather through the person of a Messiah who would be born as a human descendant of David. This is the important connection between 2 Samuel 7 and the Psalms that we read and sang and Christmas Day. The Lord's message to, to David, to, to us, to the church, it's astounding. When David wanted to build a separate house for the ark of God, the Lord told him that he would move into David's house so that he could build up David's family forever. 
the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned upon the cherubim promised that David's house and David's kingdom would be made sure forever, we read, because he himself would enter into the family of David. When Christ came to earth, it was comparable to seeing the ark of the most holy God making its home on the throne of an earthly king on the earth. It was a, a truly amazing display of God's outpouring love, his grace. Well, when we understand the way that David addresses our God, it becomes clear that the Lord's undeserved amazing grace is the theme of David's prayer. It's the theme of the church's everlasting song. We lift up our hearts to glorify God for his grace. And the title that we, we read many times that David used, Lord God, Adonai, Yahweh, or Sovereign Lord, he uses it several times in his prayer. It was the same title that also Abraham used when God made a covenant with him in Genesis 15. And the sovereign Lord we worship, we, we read he is the majestic ruler of all the hosts. The host is a reference to, to the multitudes in heaven and on earth. Who are we beside the Lord God of hosts? Even if we were perfect and sinless before him, he remains the creator and we are the creatures. And when he made us and when he established his covenant with us, it was out of grace. What have we done to deserve such mercy? And when he reached out to us after we had sinned, his divine grace, when he called David by name and promised him that one of his descendants would sit on the throne forever. David and all the church are, were, were overwhelmed with joy that we might call such a great and awesome God our Lord, our Father, the rock of our salvation. Who are we that we should have this opportunity to understand what we celebrate at Christmas time? And just as we thank the Lord for his divine grace toward all humanity, we also praise, his, praise him for his covenant love. The humility that David showed in his prayer, it clearly reveals that he was being employed by the Lord as an instrument at a particular time in history. God needs to receive all the glory. Many times, as we mention the name David, our hearts are lifted up to the Lord. And he begins his prayer, verse 18, he asks, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? David knew that the Lord had chosen him out of all the people on the earth, and that the Lord had equipped him for this task. He was delighted to be employed by the Lord as an instrument in this way. And so like Mary in her reaction to the angel Gabriel and like Simeon 
And his reaction after seeing the baby Jesus in the temple, David also presented himself to the Lord as servant. How many times do we read? As a servant. A servant who was willing to obey the sovereign Lord. Before everything else, David was a child of God who loved his heavenly Father, who wanted to walk in his ways. And God blessed him by giving him and his descendants peace in the promised land. David was the instrument that the Lord used to fulfill his promise to Abraham, which was repeated in Deuteronomy 12, to choose a place to make his name dwell. While Solomon would build a temple for the Lord in Zion. So Zion would always be associated with the dwelling place of God. That's why we, we sing about it in Psalm 132, even to this day. Zion became associated with a people more than a place. And so when we sing about Zion in the Psalms, or, or Israel, or Jerusalem, and many times when we sing the Psalms, we, we sing of these places. We are singing about the covenant people of the Lord. We understand that we're talking about the church where God chose to dwell by his spirit. And he chose to dwell there completely on his good, based on his good pleasure and will. Well, after praising God for promising riches that go far beyond his own personal life, that included David's house. He even says, for a great while to come into the far distant future. David concludes, verse 19, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. The Holy Spirit is calling our attention to that verse, to, to what's happening here. This is instruction for mankind. See God's work as instruction, as, as Torah, as law. That is revealing to you what God is like. He's showing how his gracious gift of salvation is going to be real, realized through the covenant that he established with his people. And so although David may have been thinking at first about a physical temple in the physical city of Jerusalem, when he talked about a house, God was preparing a household consisting of believers and their children. God's promise was a promise of his covenant love through all generations that we continue to remember and celebrate every time a baby is born and baptized, every time someone joins the, the congregation and is baptized as a sign of the covenant. And since David was just an instrument in God's hand to carry out his sovereign plan, David's house and David's kingdom, they're really God's house and God's kingdom. And God's promise to rule forever on David's throne, that was a covenant promise with implications for all who call him their father, their God, the rock of their salvation. Because the word forever was not used as a figure of speech. Forever was not a figure of speech. 
David rejoices in the word forever. He mentions it five times in the last six verses. If you look at it, look at verse 24. David reminds the Lord that he was the one who said he would establish his people forever. And then he says, Lord, confirm forever this word, that's verse 25, so that you might be magnified forever, verse 26. And then you continue to verse 29, and you see that he's praying that the house of David might continue forever and be blessed forever. We can imagine David sitting there in the tent in Jerusalem before the ark of God, so aware of his own mortality and so aware of his own weaknesses, and yet so enriched and so blessed by the divine covenant, the divine promise of a covenant people and a church that could not be distracted, that would not be dis dissuaded, that would not be destroyed by anything or anyone forever. This was not just theoretical knowledge. David was clinging to that word forever. David was a living actor in the unfolding drama of God's incredible grace like we are. It was his children. He was thinking of his children. He was thinking of his, his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. God's covenant people for generations to come that would be blessed by the God who spoke to him through the prophet Nathan. Oh, we take great comfort today in the forever promise. It's for you and for your children, says Peter in Acts 2, 39. God has sworn an oath by his holiness, this is Psalm 89, that your offspring will endure forever, your throne as long as the sun like the moon, it shall be established forever. While we still sing Psalm 89 today, thousands of years later, because God's forever promise includes us, his church. And the anointed king that David was anticipating, he is the anointed king that we still turn to for help today. We turn to him for his royal blessing. While the infinite grace and the eternal covenant love that the Lord God showed to David gave David courage to pray to the Lord. We see that in verse 27, chapter 7. He believed that God's words were true, and he was so sure, he was so sure that God would keep his promise that he concluded, he had to conclude in Psalm 16 that that promised king that would come sometime in the future he would be able to defeat death. David concluded that in Psalm 16. And so on the day of Pentecost, Peter explains, and I'm reading Acts 2, verses 30 to 31. I have it written down here. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ because of that oath promise. So when David 
turned to the Lord in prayer. He simply asked the Lord to confirm the word that he had spoken, to do what he had promised. That's a good model for Christian prayer. Learn about and believe in God's promises. Turn to him and say, Lord, do as you promised. Well, for centuries, the prayer of David was repeated with that oath that God swore to him in the background as the, as the reason for the prayer. Look at Psalm 132, verse 11, where the church sings about God's promise to make a, a horn sprout for David and to prepare a lamp for his anointed, his Messiah. Well, wasn't talking about a horn growing out of his head. A horn is a figurative way of speaking about a very strong ruler that would, would come as one of David's descendants. And the lamp we sang about in Psalm 132, it's a reference to the continuing existence of David's line, a lamp that does not go out. And as we were reminded in hymn 19, which is based on Isaiah 9, verse 6, the prophets assured God's people that the Lord had not forgotten to send a Messiah in the line of David, to sit on David's throne, who would also be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so armed with, with God's promise, the church prayed to the Lord. They prayed that the Lord, the root of Jesse, might come as the stump of Jesse, born in David's line. That's in Isaiah 11 and also Revelation 22. All God's preparations for the coming of the Lord, they're brought together in the opening chapter of the New Testament. You, you flip the page, Matthew 1 verse 1, what does it say? The Lord has been preparing this for a long time. It doesn't say that. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This was not just an old, boring statistic. This was a declaration of the Lord God's victory in spite of the unfaithfulness of his people that you can sing about and read about in the end of Psalm 89. It was another way of saying what the angel Gabriel said to Mary in Luke 1, verses 32 to 33, when you walked in, that was the text that was displayed on the wall. It's the same as saying, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Nations can be dispersed, cities can be destroyed, Spiritual leaders can be killed, but no one can ever break God's forever. The anointed one who sits on David's throne, he has come, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that we need to turn to when we pray, when we seek his divine, his royal blessing. Christmas has become a much richer day 
when we understand that all that God did in preparation for this day so that we might be able to turn to a loving Savior in our prayer. God has reached down to us with a forever promise. And when Mary gave birth to her child, we could meet the forever king. This humble king revealed his love for the family of God. He came for all believers and their children. Covenant love. He did not need to come to us for his own sake, but he emptied himself in his grace for our sakes. It's the gospel. And the gospels themselves, they teach us about his birth. They say, look at his birth. Look at his life. Look at his suffering. Look at his death. Look at his resurrection. All for you. This is your king. While he's now seated on his throne in heaven, we read in the Gospels, it's his desire to dispense God's grace to all who follow him as servants. It's a wonderful blessing to live in a forever kingdom when you have Jesus Christ, your Savior, as your King. We can turn to Him in our fight against sin and its consequences in our lives. And like David, we are emboldened, made, made courageous by the promises that the Lord of hosts has made to us. We continue to pray for the fulfillment of God's sovereign plan because He said He's coming back. And his kingdom will be all in all. That's part of the forever. And so we pray, O Lord God, Adonai Yahweh, do as you have promised. Lead your people in the path of life so that your name might be magnified forever. Also by our voices as we chime in with the hallelujah chorus of the church of all ages and all places in the world. O oh Lord, you have come to Zion to take your seat on the throne of David forever. May your kingdom come in all its fullness so that your people might live in the joy of your blessings forever. Brothers and sisters, that's our kingdom. That's our king. Turn to your king. Receive his royal blessing. Find hope in his forever promise. For he took on our human nature so that he might rule over us forever. Amen.